So when everybody's terrified, that's the time to be buying. As JP Morgan said, you want to buy when blood is in the streets. You know, so when people are afraid, it's okay to buy. When people are not afraid, you probably want to be selling. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, AAA Adams. And today I'm here with Rob Frazier. And he's on a mission to help investors take advantage of one of the most effective and overlooked avenues in real estate investing, which is real estate notes. And he's the founder and the principal at Aspen Funds. Bob has purchased more than a thousand mortgages. And he's been earning double digit returns without the risk and the volatility that you'll see in some of the other traditional investing options. So I've got Bob and we're going to really focus today on understanding where are we with the market? Is the market overpriced? Are we way past a bubble? Is it going to burst? Are we going to see 2008 all over again? And Bob's got six key points that he's going to cover today. Um, And these six key points are going to answer the question for you, if we're actually way past a bubble and about to lose our money, lose our butts, or, or on the other side, if, uh, if the market is looking strong right now. So I'm excited to dive into these six things to know a little bit better if, if we are looking at the right metrics already, if we're going to be understanding what's going to happen five years from now, two years from now, or even unfortunately, tomorrow. So, Bob, let's get started. Well, first off, fill me in on some of the things that I missed on your bio that are relevant to what we're talking about today. Is the market overpriced? Is it overheated or not? Sure. Uh, well, you know, I'm actually a computer scientist from Berkeley. That was my, I was a programmer and uh, started a tech business in the late 90s and rode that all up and, uh, you know, uh, had a, had a uh, had lost everything in the tech crisis, and what it's what happened is I, I got super kind of sensitized to the economic tides that are that are coming in, and having been through four cycles now, uh, you know I I really spent a lot of time trying to understand the cycles, and the, the the truth is it's a whole lot easier to make money when the tides to float your boat when the tides are coming in than it is to float your boat when the tides are going out. And so I really want to understand the economic tides. And so I spend a lot of time um, uh, looking at the economics. I've, I've written economic uh, newsletters, you know, for many years, starting in the, the, the mid 2000s. And uh, it was a hedge fund manager for a while um, and a real estate investor. And, and the whole point is here looking at global macro economic trends to be able to identify what is the right thing to be in? You know, you, 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 wouldn't you rather be in something that you don't have to work at to make money and you're fighting the headwinds all day long? Or would you, you know, would you rather do that or something that just, it just works, you know, and the money's going up, you know? So that's, that's really my focus. Okay. 
Are, so, so now we're looking at today's market, and I would say more than half of the people that come on the show are very skeptical. Um, they would all say, that, you know, uh, run away, run away. It's, it's not a time to be investing. Uh, we're about to have another 2008, and we're talking about yield inversions and things like this. Um, so you have six things that will help us understand where are we today. And, um, I want, I want to start there. Um, number one, you were talking about mortgage rates and that's going to help us understand better. Where are we? Are, are we going to be in a bubble? Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about mortgage rates. What's happening with mortgage rates and how is that helping us understand where we are today? And I would just first say, you know, when I hear people talk about those kind of things, the fear, it actually gives me a lot of confidence to move forward. It's like, sell me your portfolio, buddy, you know, at a discount, you know, because it, it's looking bad, you know, so <laughs> sell it on over, you know. So so mortgage rates, I mean, I think last time I checked, you know, 3.6% or, or something, um, they're super low 30-year fixed, fixed mortgages. Uh, what's more, they're likely to stay low for an extended period of time. It's primarily driven by, by the global money flows. I, I find Americans are very America-centric, but the truth is money is global. And when you're looking at negative interest rates in Europe, if you're European and you're forced literally on your billion dollars, you're gonna be writing you know, a multi-million dollar check every month to your bank to keep your money there. Really, um, what are you gonna do? Well, you're gonna do anything else with your money than that. And so money flows. And uh, it's driving down global bond rates. It's driving down U.S. interest rates. It's driving down, it's making money affordable. And it, you know, all interest rates flow together. So you're going to see rates staying low, in my opinion, for an extended period of time. And furthermore, the only, why wouldn't they stay low? The only reason they raise rates is to cool the economy due to hyperinflation or to high inflation. And there's simply no signs of that happening. And there will not be. And I could talk about why we're not going to have inflation either. But bottom line, we do not have an inflationary risk. There is no reason to raise rates. And, um, and so they're going to stay low. Speaking of inflation, it brings me to really talking about the second point of six that we discussed in the pre-interview. And what we were talking about is, are we at the peak? And um, if you adjust for inflation, are we, are we over where we used to be or under where we were in 2006, 7, and 8? Yeah, and that's, this is point number two you're, you're wanting to jump into, right? Uh, and what, what, some, what, is, uh, what people don't realize is while prices are, um, uh, you know, where they were actually in the, for the largest markets now, prices are right where they were at the peak for the largest 10 metros in, in America. For the smaller markets, the prices are above the peak. So people are well aware of that and thinking, well, gosh, we've exceeded the bubble. Therefore, we must be, you know, we're, we're in danger territory. But what people don't do is adjust that for inflation. And if you actually account for inflation, we are 15% below the peak. Okay, so what's happened, you know, uh, 15 years ago, you could buy a piece of land, build a house on that piece of land, and sell it and make money. Okay, generally, you could do that for a bread and butter kind of middle of the road house. You really can't do that today. Why not? Well, the prices are higher. 
why are the prices higher? Inflation of your, 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 your materials costs and your labor costs have gone up. You would actually lose money if you did that today. What does that tell you? Well, then either lumber has to drop in price and plumbers have to, have to drop in price or housing prices have to go up. Which do you think is going to happen? And so, um, so the, the issue is, is that, uh, you know, for 15 years, inflation has kept going. Housing prices took it took a dip and they're now trying to catch up to inflation but they have not yet caught up very 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 interesting okay so when we look at mortgage rates they're low and you, they are likely to stay low yep. um the when you look at the peaks most people would say we're at the peak or we're slightly above the peak when they look at the market and they're like the last time i saw this house it was 400,000 it's back to 405,000 right now today and so we're going to bust and so what you're saying is when you adjust adjust for the inflation and talk about like what are plumbers charging right now? What is the cost of, of lumber? Um, we're 15% below the last right. peak. Okay, interesting. And the third uh, thing that we wanted to talk about today is, is this thing called price to rent ratio. So when we're looking at price to rent ratio for housing prices, are we in a good spot or are we in a bad spot? Right. And again, the price to rent ratios are 25% below the peak, uh, by the way. And, and so what this means, if you, if you buy a house and you rent it, you know, uh, is, is it a good investment or a bad investment? Well, of course, generally in, you know, the coast, you know, it's hard to do that and make money. In uh, mid-America, the yields are actually very, very attractive to do that price to rent ratios. But, but overall, we're 25% below the peak. And this is due to rents. If you look at, you know, since the crisis, a lot of multifamily developments, a lot of, a lot of apartment complexes and rents have, have, have increased dramatically. Rents have been on a tear and they have outstripped uh, home prices. So home prices have recovered, but rents have gone up faster. And um, so the price to rent ratios are, are still very, very, uh, very attractive. You can, in, in a lot of places, you know, and, you know, I live in Kansas City and in Kansas City, you can, you can buy houses and, and earn a, you know, a 15 cap, uh, 20 cap even in some places. Uh, it's very, it's achievable, believe it or not. Uh, well, that's crazy. You know, <laughs> I mean, prices have to go up because those yields are out, outsized. So, you know, people are, people are not thinking about, uh, about, about the price to rent ratios. And here's, here's the other thing, this, the, true, the best way from a peer financier's point of view, the best way to value real estate is on a, what's called a discounted cash flow basis, right? You look at the cash flows uh, of, that you're gonna receive from this investment and that determines the, the, the price you will pay. So again, price to rent ratios, it's not just a, a fantasy valuation metric, it's a true valuation metric. How much can I earn on this piece of property if I bought it? Well, it isn't that, it's, that's going to drive prices. So, so uh, you know, and again, I think that's a, that's a protection under prices too. The fact that these things, if they drop much more, certainly in the Midwest and, you know, middle America, uh, well, then my, my cap rates are going to go up to 20%. Well, who's, who's, gonna, who's not going to want to buy that? Um, bottom, bottom line is I just, I, I just see a lot of value in real estate if you look at price to rent ratios. Great. Okay. So more, number one, mortgage rates. Number two, uh, if inflation adjusted peak. Number three, price to rent ratio. Number four, 
let's talk a little bit about the supply. Uh, you're, you're, you've, you've been mentioning that um, are we oversupplied or are we massively undersupplied? Where, where are we in the supply? Because as I learned when I was in uh, you know, my entrepreneurship class back in the early 2000s, um, it really is all about supply and demand. Correct. So help us out on number four. Where are we with the supply? Do you have a website that gives you credibility and captures leads? ApartmentInvestorPro.com can help you get a professional website today. Can you build your investor list without a website? Sure, just like you can cut down a tree with a pocket knife. But why would you when you could use a chainsaw? Typically, building a professional website can be a real pain, taking thousands of dollars and months of your time. One syndicator said it took him 10 months on his own. Another had to go to three different companies before getting something usable. ApartmentInvestorPro.com makes it quick and painless. All the designs and content is already created. With 15 years of experience building websites for investors, ApartmentInvestorPro.com gives you peace of mind and lets you focus your time on finding deals and investors. These powerful websites capture contact information from your potential investors. You can even automate the follow-up process. No more letting good investor leads fall through the cracks. Save 10% on your website by going to apartmentinvestorpro.com and using promo code CREATIVE. That link is in today's show notes. Well, can you remember back to 2005 and six, how many, how much dirt was being turned up and a spec building of houses? I mean, everywhere was a new house going up. Well, today you don't see that. The cranes that are working, they're producing apartment complexes, aren't they? Well, and in fact, I could I could uh, show you a chart, and and what I can do for your listeners, if you like, I can send you all these these charts on PDF, and you can actually have them on your show notes. Um, uh, but what's happened? We there's there's fewer single family home starts, new housing starts, than at any time in the last 20 years. So we are we are far below the norm, even the pre-peak norm, far below. The starts and it goes to the 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 fact that inflation it doesn't make sense. You can't profitably build a single family home. Uh, it's it's very difficult to let me put it that way. On the other hand, multifamily has gone on a tear. So multifamily, you know, the charts show the huge drop in both multifamily and single family during the crisis. Multifamily has massively recovered since the crisis and is now above multifamily starts are above where they were uh, pre-crisis but single family starts have never uh, they have never recovered um, and so we have a massive shortage of single family homes and you know in in some of the bread and butter areas in my city uh, you know these these uh, the millennials are trying to buy houses and there's these bidding wars that it's happening uh, there's just a, a shortage of properties available uh, because no new properties are coming on the market uh, or very, very few single family homes. Very, very interesting. Okay, so how about number five, talking about consumer debt service? Yes. So, you know, what's happening and, and you know, whether you like Trump or not, the economy is 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 booming right now and consumer confidence is high consumer spending is is high and um consumers have have used the you know what happens in a crisis is they pay down debt and so what happened during the crisis people 
paid down debt. What, well, now what's happening, the, the U.S. consumer, uh, their, their debt service is lower than any time in the last 30 years. And that means the percentage of their income used to pay debt. And so they're, they're feeling generally flush and, and so ready to, you know, again, uh, are, they're, not, they're not overstretched. They're not, you know, about to get foreclosed out because they can't pay. And foreclosures are also at, at, a, at, a, at a low. Um, so the consumer's in great shape. Okay, so the debt service that the average consumer has today is the lowest that it has been in 30-plus years. Is that accurate? Yes. Very, very interesting. Okay, and number six, uh, we're talking about the mortgage underwriting. Are, are they doing what they were doing in 2004, 5, 6, and 7 that really caused that 6, 7, 8 crash? Right, and, and it's so funny because, you know, I, I, you know, gone a few conferences and people say, yeah, I found there's a, they're doing, there's so-and-so is doing subprime lending just like before, and, you know, and they pull out one loan that, that some clown is offering, you know, or one loan program. The truth is those things are extremely rare and the, the, the interest rates are very, very high and they're not, they're not high volume programs. So what was happening in the past um, you know, it was the whole mortgage industry was doing, you know, what they called no doc or liar loans or, or these kind of things. It's not happening. Um, um, I have a statistic here. So in 2006, only 50% of originations were above 700 FICO score, only 50%. Today, 80% of loan originations are above a 700 FICO. And during the 2006 crisis, it was very common to see um, uh, FICOs of 525 to 540 being approved. Um, today, the lowest FICOs that are being approved are 620, 630 range, uh, unless you enter into a specialty type lending program. So underwriting is still very, very conservative. And sure, there are, there are a couple you know, uh, lenders that are offering different programs, but by and large, the, the mainstream is very conservative. You know, having been through many crises, uh, I find people are very aware and concerned of not repeating the last crisis, <laughs> which is why there you go. I'm 100% sure the next crisis, whatever it is, is not going to be like the last one, a speculative real estate bubble, right? The previous one was the dot-com bubble, you know, the one, the one before that, you know, there was the, the, uh, the RTC bubble, you know, uh, and then, you know, the savings and loan crisis, that the same one. So they're, they're all different. They're all different. And, you know, they all will affect real estate, but all in different ways. So I, I'm, I so appreciate people being afraid. It makes a lot of market opportunity for those that aren't. So let me ask you this. Um, after looking at these five metrics that have uh, these six metrics, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Um, what would you say might happen? Uh, do you think we are in a crisis right now? Do you think we're in a crisis, but for different reasons? And so we might be in a crash, but it won't look exactly like 2008. What are what are you thinking there, Bob? You know, I'm, I, I think, I think uh, multifamily is overpriced when you're seeing cap rates as low as 6% cap rate, you know, this kind of thing for, for multifamily real estate. Um, that's insane. That's insane. Um, to me, that's a, that's a, you know, 
um, a, a bug looking for a windshield, you know, um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be buying in the multifamily space right now unless you've got special situations. I'd be building in, into it. So so that is to me, you know, I think doesn't have a lot of upside. Doesn't have a lot of downside. Probably not a lot, you know. Um, I, I'm you know it's hard to see where the where the crashes might come. I think the stock market at a at a you know 30 PE right now is is very pricey. Um, I think that could come down a little bit, but again, when I'm, uh, I, I balance all those things. Yeah. Prices are high for these things, but money is easy right now. And you've got the, the, the world flooded with printed money from all the, all the, the central banks um, and zero, you know, negative interest rates in Europe, you know, uh, flirting with that in Japan, I, you know, money's ex exiting China, looking for a home really, where's it going to go? Well, it's going to go in overpriced assets, you know? So I, I don't see a ton, a ton of risk. And as long as the economy is chugging along, which it is, uh, I, I don't see a lot of risk. So people that are afraid of the crash, you know, you know, when you should be afraid of a crash is when no one's afraid of the crash. Okay. <laughs> you know, as you know, I, I find in the stock market, when everyone was bullish, that's the time the market goes down. Okay. It's one of the best indicators of the stock market actually. And in fact, in 2005 and six, do you know how many people were concerned about the real estate market? Not that many. Most of them were, were saying, it, buy real estate because it only goes up. Now, when someone says it only goes up, that's when you know you're at the peak. When someone says there's no risk, that's when you know you're at the peak. When someone is terrified and there's blood in the streets, they tell you don't ever touch real estate at all, that's when you know you're at the bottom. You know, think about in 2008 and seven and eight, I remember convincing my daughter to buy a, a condo. You know, it was a condo that dropped 50% of its value. <laughs> She's like, how bad, how, how low can it go? I'm saying, honey, trust me. You know, you know, I don't care what, if Zillow says it's worth $10,000, you know, you're gonna get more, you're gonna collect $1,000 a month in rent off it, who cares? Well, she bought it and doubled her money in two years. I'm not kidding. You know, so when everybody's terrified, that's the time to be buying. As JP Morgan said, you want to buy when blood is in the streets. You know, so when people are afraid, it's okay to buy. When people are not afraid, you probably want to be selling. Can we, can we talk a little bit about the stock market? Um, I want to throw a couple things at you and just see um, what you think and how you respond to it. Um, as far as my what I've looked at for the stock market and what I've heard and what I hear people like you just said, the 30 PE. Um, well, I, it feels like the stock market's just way overinflated, just like incredibly high. And I thought that it was going to crash. And then um, Trump, he changed some things and, and uh, gave some tax incentives for people and, and for big, massive companies and and it helped them and they they started producing more and i feel like it might not have a long way to go and then when i couple that into just any volatility that might happen in the stock market what i looked at was our most wealthy um age demographic right now is the um gen x the the they're in their 50-ish 50s right now they're making the most amount of money than any other age demographic right now 
And when I looked closely at the Gen X, they had approximately $1,000 in savings. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as in the stock market, they had about $100,000 on average in the stock market. Um, and I was thinking to myself, well, right now the baby boomers – um, they're getting to the age where they're starting to take distributions from the stock market. And so money's starting to come out of there. Just now today, like this year, it's, it's really where it's starting. And it's going to get more and more as we go on. Uh, the baby boomers are going to take more and more money out. And we have this most wealthy demographic in the middle of the baby boomers and the millennials that I'll bring up here in a moment. And where they have just $1,000 on average in savings, and most of their wealth is held in either their house or the stock market. And if the stock market starts to go down, they're not going to have a ton of capital just sitting there in cash. And then when I look at the millennials and I saw that they are the highest uh, majority of any age demographic right now to have um, to be entrepreneurs, to be solopreneurs, to start businesses. And there's the syndications recently came out and Bitcoin uh, recently came out and millennials are, are defiant and they want to, they don't want to do what has been done for years and years and years. And some of them are getting into the, um, uh, the, 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 syndication. Some of them are putting their money into cryptocurrency. And, um, and most of them, uh, you know, they, they don't have uh, corporate ha- uh, headquarters giving them their insurance anymore. They don't have corporate headquarters uh, making them put their money into the stock market. And I, I'm looking at it saying money's coming out, no money's coming in. If the stock market corrects a little bit, I, it seems like it's going to be a big bubble to me. Uh, what are your thoughts on stocks? You know, and great points, but I couldn't disagree more with your conclusion. And okay. Here's, here's, here's what you're missing. Um, biggest buyer, and you're right about the outflows. If you look at stock market outflows, they've been, uh, it's been continual for decades. Uh, uh, you know, re- retail outflows. So who are the big buyers? Well, I'll tell you who the biggest buyer is. It's corporate buybacks. Okay. So if you're, you're Apple, you have, you know, hundred billion dollars in your, in your balance sheet, you got to do something with it. Either you dividend it out or you make acquisitions or three, you implement a stock buyback program and don't be shorting Apple stock when Apple's buying Apple stock. Okay. You know, so that's the biggest buyer in the market. You know, you know who the biggest buyer in the Japanese stock market is, or in the uh, in the uh, uh, Norwegian stock market, or in the Swiss stock market, the central banks. I believe the uh, the Japanese central bank owns eighty percent of Japanese exchange traded funds. They've printed money and buy stock. What? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. So again, there's another big buyer of stocks, not in America, but across the globe is central banks, literally printing currency to buy shares. Um, and so I do, I would not bet against the stock market. I basically said, uh, and I, I predicted when, when Trump published his tax plan uh, two years ago, I said, it's going to cause a boom 
in the economy. There was a lot of people saying the opposite. I said, this is, this is legitimate. There's going to be a massive inflow in capital into America. There's going to be a massive infrastructure boom. All that money came home. And uh, Apple and other, other companies, you know, to hundreds of billions. And it, it's absolutely happening. And I, I said this about the stock market. I said, the stock market doesn't have a lot of upside and it doesn't have a lot of downside, but it's going to have a lot of volatility. And because of that reality, there's a, with 0% interest or negative interest rates, you're, you're holding a billion dollars at negative interest rates. You're a European, uh, uh, you know, pension fund manager. What are you going to do? Where are you going to put it? In China? You got to go invest in the Chinese currency. Hong Kong? You know, um, you know what are you going to do? Well, you're probably going to be looking at the United States. It's the number one investment destination on the planet. You're going to be looking at real estate. Yes, you're going to look at the stock market. You're going to buy Apple. Well, Apple's so freaking overpriced, but dang, they got good products. You know, you're going to buy Google. Well, you talk about overpriced, but Google has a monopoly on, on searches. You know, it would, is it stupid? Are you going to lose all your money to, to invest in Google? No, you're not. You know, you know, it may not be the smartest investment, but it's not going to be the dumbest. And so my, my estimation of the market, which is my prediction again for 2020, is market doesn't, it, it has an upside bias because of the, the cheap money in the earth, uh, you know, Federal Reserve money and uh, central bank money, but it's going to be extremely volatile and doesn't have a lot of upside and any, any crashes are probably going to result in, in rises. Very, 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 very cool. Thank you for going into that. Now, you buy notes, and um, you have a fund for your notes, right? Yes. And these are housing notes. Um, how do people find you? How do they reach out to Bob Frazier or find your company, Aspen Funds? Yeah, check it out on the internet. It's Aspen Funds, F-U-N-D-S dot U-S. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we, we buy mortgage notes. I actually I actually did some rental real estate for a while. I'm allergic to rental real estate. I realize a lot of people love it, but you know, these these fingers are great on a keyboard, you know. They've never done <laughs> I don't have any any dirt under my fingernails. I just just I just couldn't do it profitably. A lot of work. And so I find notes are are far more scalable and um and uh you know far more lucrative. Awesome. Okay, so Aspen Funds, you said dot com? Dot US. Dot US. Aspenfunds.us. I'm glad I asked. That is now in the show notes. So if you're listening, just scroll down and you can literally just click on the link. And is that the best way for the listener to find you and get a hold of you, Bob? Absolutely. All right, perfect. Again, go to aspenfunds.us. That link is in the show notes. I'm going to let you go, Bob, but until next time, my friend, keep thinking outside that box. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their 9 to 5, wishing they had more time with their family. What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example. 
who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract and at 27 years old was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast.